The flight of the bumblebee is in a league of familiarity right up there with Beethoven's fifth. Happy birthday, jingle bells. Everybody knows it. No one ever says, what's that? Never heard of it. Flight of the bumblebee? I first heard it when I started learning guitar. I know the song. It was very fast. But nobody can sing it, really. (laughs) Something like that. You can only approximate (laughs) You know. But you can hear it in your head, and it just stays there. <laughs> Except sometimes. Might be the William Tell Overture. I don't know. As for how it got there and why it stays there, well, it's an intricate and resourceful couple of minutes of music, having originated in a scene from an opera by the Russian composer Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov, just around the turn of the 20th century. In the opera, the tale of Tsar Sultan, the buzzing 16th notes underscore a magic moment in which a prince is turned into a bee. It's just a little interlude in an elaborate operatic plot, but it broke out. It's interesting to look at something so tiny that has lasted so long. It turns out this humble bumblebee piece by Rimsky is like a little window into some of the trends and techniques of romanticism that were used and used again. One was the chromatic scale. The tiniest steps from uh, C to C-sharp, for example, from C-sharp to D, from D to D-sharp... That is chromatic. Pianist and author Stuart Isakoff sits at the piano to talk it over. It was a large part of what music was about in the Romantic era. There are plenty of examples of the way the Romantic composers took off using this approach. Chopin was one. He used it in something that became known as the chromatic etude. I'll play it slowly for you. Yeah, slow it down for us so we can hear Here's the Chopin at a more familiar tempo. It traverses the keyboard using the chromatics, and I'm sure that Rimsky was aware of this piece. The romantics didn't invent the chromatic scale. In fact, Bach had used it long before. Isakov pulls out a Bach piece called On the Departure of a Beloved Brother, where it's used very explicitly to indicate sorrow of all things. And uh, so weeping ensues. Here's the moment of the weeping. So it's very versatile chromatic scale because you can have it weep and then you can have it buzz around in this remarkable way. You can have way. it buzz around as Rimsky does, you know. And what about if you played the Rimsky very slowly? Would that suddenly have a, would there be a longing quality to it, I wonder? So it becomes it. a very, very hungry and sad yes. bee. It's not just the notes, it's the spirit that can turn it from one extreme to the other.
There's also the perpetual motion atmosphere of the piece. That was an incredibly ear-catching musical style that goes back a few hundred years, but that was accelerating around this 19th into 20th century moment when sound and noise became something else, machines whirring with a new kind of speed. And that also ties into the virtuosity. If you have a piece by Paganini, for example, on violin, and people felt that he was in league with the devil, that becomes part of the magic of things, uh, this perpetual motion, high-velocity material, and it was used by everyone afterward. But, you might argue, it was not so unusual to have a piece like this that evoked and imitated something in nature. And you'd be right. There were those about the morning or the sea, or a lark, or the spring. But Bumblebee, in all its smallness, was as ambitious as any of these, or more. So cleverly done. He's taken a melody from earlier in the opera, and he's embellished it to become this line. So that melody is... And now he's put notes in between, so... Much as a jazz musician might, you know, take a melody and then just... Um, Embellish. Just embellishing the melody. And Rimsky-Korsakov was so specific. It was so well-observed, his musical take on a bee, on the way it circles around and actually hovers. And it challenges musicians to take it on, even singers though we already know it really can't be sung. But the best thing that ever happened to Flight of the Bumblebee was Sergei Rachmaninoff, one of the greatest composer-pianists ever in history, who transcribed this orchestra piece for piano in 1929. At that point, it gained a new life, as music often can, apart from bees, nature, or any creature other than a pianist. That's Evgeny Kisin, who did it years ago, with audience eyes popping and hearts stopping. Speed, clarity, accuracy, style, and real music in under two minutes. A tiny musical marvel worthy of an extreme close-up. For WNYC, I'm Sarah Fishko. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex. Of bugs. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radio Lab adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts.